Hello and welcome to the Business of Betting podcast. Today I'm joined by Jake and Dean from Profit. Guys, thank you very much for coming on. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Betfair Australia. No matter where you are in the world, if you're looking to find your edge in sports betting or racing, you'll need to visit the Betfair Hub. From analysis to betting psychology, it has everything that you need. Simply visit betfair.com.au slash hub. Today, I'm joined by Jake and Dean from Profit. Guys, thank you very much for coming on. Thanks for having us. Pleasure to be here, sir. So most will will know we did a podcast together uh, pretty recently, actually, a Race Against Time podcast where we we went through the history of Profit and what it took for you guys to, to go from the early stages all the way up to close to launching and going live. And I think now is a perfect time to to get together again and chat about where things are at now. So if those are interested in more of the backstory, please go back and, and have a listen to those episodes, uh, a Race Against Time podcast. And and today, hopefully, we can cover off where you guys are at now, what's going to happen, hopefully, early 2020 and throughout that year. But just very quickly, Jake, I might throw it over to you. Tell us where we're at now, what's changed since last we spoke, and, and how things are going. So for... Some background here. Uh, we founded Profit, we're a secondary marketplace for sports bets. Um, you can check us out at betprofit.co. But uh, since we last spoke, Jake, it's been a lot of a slow grind, I would say. And that's not a negative thing. It may sound like one, but um, it's really just we've been live for almost two months now. Uh, I wouldn't say that's with a real concerted effort around marketing. So a lot of what we're doing is product iteration, feedback, uh, making sure that we're producing the best product for our end user. Um, so while it might not sound like the most sexy thing in the world, uh, it's extremely important. Um, and we're just taking it feedback day by day. Uh, and that applies to the pod as well. So we've gotten a lot from uh, those who listen to a race against time saying that there was uh, maybe too much detail at certain points or we dived in too far. But uh, we were happy to amend, uh, create smaller snippets of content, uh, start posting those all over social. Um, so look out for that along with hopefully a continued and improved product and marketing presence in early Q1. Dean, when you when you went live, when you launched, tell us about that day or that week and what it took to get there from a, an emotional standpoint as well. Um, I remember so vividly the first person who cashed out. I was so excited. We were sitting in our accelerator in Berlin, and I just kind of jumped up in the office and shouted, "Holy shit!" You know, I was I was pumped. Um, but from probably that moment, it's been a really hard grind. Like. I can't emphasize how difficult this truly has been teaching the sports betting community in the UK a new concept without having the ability to directly speak to them. So, you know, you have what, maybe 15 seconds by the time they hit the homepage for them to understand your value prop and how it works. And you also have to drive them to do what you want them to do all in a 15 second window. And really these last six weeks or so it's been quite a steep learning curve figuring that out teaching ourselves how to measure that what's working and what's not and then ultimately reeling more users in and getting more active users on board to inevitably raise more money down the line and 
then, you know, sell this thing for a trillion dollars. Jake, tell me about on the product side, some of the product iteration processes you've put in place. What are you looking for when you're evaluating that? What's the the aim moving forward or the intention around that process? Yeah, so I think the the real one aim is just keep our users happy or make our users happy. And as Dean alluded to, the half battle battles understanding. So a lot of what we've done is tour around and test out different uh, iterations and variant tests, different content. So what sentences and phrases are sticking by versus sell uh, versus cash out uh, versus bet. We variant tested all of those. Um, people seem to understand buy and sell. Uh, and the cash out wasn't really a hit in terms of the users coming to profit to cash out, but they still have the original bet. So even though we thought that would be a point of resonation with them, they'd be able to understand a value prop because they understand cash out. It actually created an extra question or two because they were wondering about the nuances and, and how we were different from cash out. So we've actually found that we're getting a lot more page views, session duration time, clicks just by having the words buy and sell. So that's that's the first and foremost. And it, it's an easy change for us to make, but one that took time. So that was about six weeks of variant testing. Um, so we're hoping that'll boost our numbers in conversion as well. But what we're looking for also on the product side is a lot more sophistication, but in terms of what the users want. So there's we had a laundry list of things we, we could do on our back end to make the product more clean and better um, and be able to function more and more, like opening up our API, getting possible liquidity providers in there that are sending us 10,000 bets a second or whatever it might be. But those things prove to be not as useful as others right now. So it's really a lot about prioritization, setting a roadmap and getting that all clear and clean across to the development team. Um, so that's been maybe my focus and Andrew's focus as well. Uh, Dean's been doing a lot of the conversations and communication with our uh, consumers, end users, affiliates. Um, so it's just a concerted team effort to be able to push out the best thing possible. Has has everything gone as you expected, or maybe a better question, what are the most unexpected parts that have come out throughout this early stage uh, going live and launching? Uh, it has definitely not gone as expected. First of all, we thought by branding ourselves as a cash-out alternative, people would comprehend it pretty quickly. But as Jake alluded to, you know, we noticed that by changing the terminology to buy and sell, people actually are looking for something different in the betting space. You know, we've been working with an affiliate in this space. He's a tipster and he has thousands of people who are following him every day on, on Twitter looking for his picks. And he told us he worked with Football Index in the early days. And he said the reason Football Index did so well is because first and foremost, it is completely different than just your generic sports book. You know, people are sick of being thrown promotional offers from these sports books that are all pretty much the same. Um, you know, they're looking for something different. So that's first of all what, what shocked me. Um, and also, Jake and I, you know, we listened to how I built this and we read a couple books here and there. And something that I kind of scoffed at at first was uh, a quote in the, in the lean startup who, uh, he said, don't look at what your customers uh, who don't like your product don't like about it and try to improve that. Instead, look to your customers who use your product every day and like it and try to build and iterate off that and push it out to the masses. I think that's something I didn't think would hold true, but from the 
guys who do like it so far and keep coming back, it's been quite a learning experience. And that's basically how we've been uh, doing our iterations. Some elephant in the room as well between Dean and I is that these two guys, uh, Dean and myself, built a cash out slash sell your bet platform. And we had users coming to us and saying, okay, well, I just bought these users' bets. How do I cash out or sell my existing bets? So Dean and I looked at each other like, holy shit, we just built internal cash out slash sell procedure for external. So that was one of the first changes. Just a nice little aside on how. You can get so, what we've been saying is we get lost in the sauce. So I'm worrying about the technicalities of buy or sell or beta and not even realizing the big picture out there. Um, but you live and you learn. Jake and I, it was one of those moments where we looked at each other, just kind of like nodded our heads for a second and said, fuck, like how did we think of that? So take me through what your expectations are for 2020 in terms of direct to direct-to-consumer or B2C directly or working with other partners in more of a B2B capacity? Have you run through the different options and permutations and your expect- expectations uh, in that space? Completely. So it, it, it kind of a two-sided question. I guess I'll answer the first one. Um, in terms of 2020, um, we expect to be expanding not rapidly but more than we have been. Uh, so that involves bringing on affiliate um, affiliate partners, uh, internal marketing team, uh, content team, which as I alluded to before, will hopefully help, help out the podcast and uh, promote, it, promote that and everything. But so team expansion on both the non-technical and technical side will help speed up our, I guess, our road to product market fit, if you will. Um, but still mostly B2C focused. We uh, mean uh, Jake Williams, JW, whatever we're calling you these days over here with the two Jakes going on, we actually got a chance to sit down at G2E um, so uh, we were catching up on a lot of the aspects surrounding B2B plays, uh, specifically surrounding the states. So there's been an interesting prop going on in terms of Nevada sportsbooks going online. Um, they want to keep their trading in-house, um, but they don't want to. Uh, but they want to offer a cash-out feature. There's really no standalone solution. So we've been having some of those conversations in terms of developing our API pricing tool, building them front-end solution. But um, it's all in, in its infancy. Um, sales cycle is extremely long with that. Um, unreliable because we'd be working with another provider like a IGT or someone of the world. So that's going to take a while to integrate and get approval and all that stuff. So it's more something that kind of just fell into our lap when we were just talking and networking and exploring pain points. But something to always keep in mind and we're not really pursuing that heavily right now. Dean, you mentioned fundraising before. Take me through how that's been so far, and also more importantly, looking forward, what are the what are the challenges that come with that? What type of processes involved from your perspective to get those types of things up and running? You know, it's all about balancing how many users we can put on with the dollars we have right now for marketing spend, and you know, what are the magic numbers that unlock the next round? And that's something Jake and I are on polar opposite sides about. Um, I kind of want to bring in as many people as possible and fail as quickly as possible, whereas Jake is saying, please slow down. Our engineers can't iterate that quickly. And why are we wasting our money bringing all these people in when we know the product isn't perfect? So it's kind of finding this balance and doing a weird dance. Um, but right now we're, uh, we opened up a two and a half million dollar round a couple weeks ago at our accelerators demo day. 
I don't expect that to be closed until around April, just granted uh, that the holidays are coming up and January is a quick month, but you know, you got to give people time to close their funds and whatnot. How do you guys balance the different perspectives? Obviously you've got different day-to-day roles and, and different uh, tasks you need to tick off, but when you come together, how, do, how does that happen? Is there uh, positive violence or what type of conflict happens in those discussions? No, no violence, at least up until this point yet. Um, I, I think a lot of it's just what we do is we just sit down and rationalize through the process. So I, at first, as Dean mentioned, was like, what the hell are we doing? These guys can't even cash out their own bet and we're a cash out platform. And every day that we aren't able to offer cash out, though, it's just us closer to uh, running out of money. So then I was like, why are we spending it? But uh, I think after rationally sitting down and going through everything, there's still people are still using the product. They're still adopting it for maybe different reasons that we wanted to, but they're still there. They're creating us revenue. They're driving up our metrics, our KPIs. So I was, again, lost in the sauce on just this one minute detail and not looking at the bigger picture in terms of how we were going to survive, I guess, um, rather than just focusing on making the consumers as happy as possible, which is, I guess, what my job entails. So a little difficult to kind of look at it from those different angles, but something we were definitely able to work through. Yeah, and I think I definitely overestimate the talent sometimes. Not saying that our engineers and CTO aren't very talented, but I think I overestimate uh, how what their ability is to put these solutions in place uh, in a certain time period because, you know, I'm sitting here in the weed, not in the weeds, thinking, oh, yeah, this can get done in a few days, no problem. But in reality, it, it physically cannot. Um, so there's a lot of learning curves here for both of us. So tell me so far about the different users that you've had using the platform and are they the users that you've expected? Are they a certain category of of sports bettors or how has that unfolded so far? Something that we were told while we were going through this process was 90% of your revenue is going to come from 10% of your clients. And, you know, something else, you know, Jake and I might've just scoffed at and been like, how is that possible? Uh, we saw that pretty quickly. So we have a handful of people who are betting every single day and buying loads of bets, not just, placing one a day, but scouring the website for bets and and placing bets every day. And then we have, you know, hundreds of people who are placing maybe one bet a week or a month. And it's like around, you know, 10 or 20 pounds. Um, So we definitely learned a lot of when people come on, what they're betting on. Some guys, it doesn't even matter what sport they're betting on. They're just strictly looking for uh, price differentiations between us and Betfair and other sites. So I think that's the thing I was definitely most surprised about is how often some people are betting and how much money you're actually making from just your handful of guys. So got to treat them well. I think something to note as well is that, so while we have this cash out thing, let's call it oversight, uh, going on the dev side and, and waiting for that to be implemented, the immediate next thing is accumulators um, or parlays for anyone listening from the States. But, um, those are to come soon, um, and I think we're missing out on a large portion of clientele and data we can gather from those guys just because we don't have the accumulators up and running. Um, so it's, it's a huge agriculture over here. I mean, everyone, everyone that we've spoken with has said, yeah, I grew up at the pub, uh, placed a five, five-fold ACA with my dad and on a slip, and that's how I got introduced to betting. I mean, that's almost the universal story. 
So I think we'll start learning a lot more value from our users once we put those in. That also gives us a significant competitive advantage to the exchanges. So I think we're going to attract more sharp betters that are placing value accumulators and looking to get out of those. Um, so I think it's only onwards and upwards, but I just want to look at that as well. So how are people using it today? Obviously, most would know the typical experience of having multiple apps on their phone, for example, or having multiple tabs open on their computer where they're looking at Betfair, they're looking at Bet365, they're looking at you know their different sports books or they're using odds comparison or whatever they might be doing. How are they currently using your platform or how do you hope for them to, to use it as a part of their betting arsenal moving forward? That's a great question. Uh, I don't know exactly how they're using our platform in regards to their other ones. I would imagine so. Right now, let me let me backtrack here a bit. Right now, people are having trouble cashing out or selling their bets from other sports books, and that's because we're not doing a good enough job of explaining it as humanly simple as possible. So the main hook for people right now is better odds um, of the people that are selling bets and then of Jake and I and um, our internal network who are selling bets. So because that main hook is odds, I would imagine, you know, it's, it's a process for them. Like they're on odds checker. They're looking at what the best odds are. And then they go to their exchanges, uh, markets, Betfair, profit, you know, et cetera. So if I were to guess that's what's going on, but I'm not entirely positive, quite honestly. Yeah. So I, I think the, the hook that we got them with is better odds. Um, so that obviously drives anyone that's price sensitive in, which is, honestly doesn't account for as much of the market as it you would think or it should. Um, so price sensitivity isn't a huge factor for some of these guys. Um, but I think something we'll see, um, as, as I alluded to with the ACAs, um, in terms of getting a more diverse client group, uh, is when we launch mobile as well. So we're mobile responsive right now, but being able to have the app uh, on your phone while you're watching the game on your TV or you have something streamed up on your computer or you're looking at 365 computer and you'll pop it on your phone. Something that is able to give you a supplementary user experience, um, which is what we're looking to provide. So we've been toying with the idea of uh, having users upload um, tickets to their dashboard. So it's almost like a bet management platform as well. So you can actually see your bet's value and just sell it off at any point. Um, so looking at all your bets across all your books and everything for a Saturday slate, something like that. So the, the answer is, and Dean said it best to start, is that, is that we don't know. We're just trying to derive what we can from the data that we have um, and move forward in a way that's going to be positive for our users, which ultimately ends up being a positive reinforcement for us, um, if, if that all made sense. Yeah, so I'm curious, for the for those that are driving a lot of the revenue, uh, I don't know if you've heard much from them already, but expectations moving forward in terms of user experience, do they need to have a splendid user experience with a slick website or a slick app one day moving forward, or or do they just want a workable using platform? Because I, I, I remember seeing some of the sports books that are available online, some of them look terrible, some of them have terrible interfaces, some of them aren't very sexy, let's just call it. But if they work and they have the right odds and that's your clientele, then it really shouldn't matter too much. Or is it you want to get the user experience as slick as possible and hopefully that's another way to attract a broader customer base? 
I, I think you actually have two good points there because we have two separate user groups or cohorts as we've seen. One is those price sensitive guys that you were talking about. So those guys, they don't, they don't, they don't give a shit what the sports book looks like. It could be complete dog crap as long as they're being able to get better prices and be able to put down as much money as they want. They don't really care. So we're not more so catering to them, but then you bring it back to the other side, which is the more casual punter, which are also looking to drive to, to profit. Uh, that we want the user experience to be a selling point, um, be able to communicate our own value prop in that aspect. Um, so it, it's just a matter of kind of which cohort or group of user you're talking about. But I think you're actually correct in saying both. So it just matters who we target it towards. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one because there are so many different cohorts like you're talking about and they probably want different things or have different expectations of what their sports book experience or their betting experience might be. So balancing those, I'm guessing, is, is not very simple. No, but, yeah. no, but we're making it work is what I was going to say because why not? Very good. So, so Dean, tell me, for those that haven't listened to all of the Erase Against Time episodes, probably don't necessarily know the, the root cause or the reason why you embarked on this journey. So just tell us about this space generally, why you're investing your time, your sweat and everything else into this space in this betting industry right now and where your expectations are for that moving forward. We spoke to so many people before we went through this and you know, we we ourselves were immersed in betting in college when we were running that sports book we spoke about in previous episodes and we just realized how many people would want to use a product like this how many people would be willing to sell their bet when it goes up or down in value instead of taking this horrendous cash out rate um so you know as a very high level overview that's why we've kind of taken this leap of faith here and i will say running the sports book actually has somewhat prepped me for this um, in the sense that when you talk to the guys who are using your platform on Twitter, who you've never met before, you know, you have to, it's almost like you have to come off as the most trustworthy human on the planet and also be able to connect with them right away. Otherwise, who the hell would ever answer a stranger reaching out on Twitter about some like random betting platform he's trying to help uh, you with. So that's a bit of the backstory there, why we jumped into this. Um, and yeah, it's, it's been tough. It's been really, really tough. Uh, but slowly kind of figuring out how to talk to these guys, how to extract the information that we need to hear out of them. Um, and then basically just developing that product market fit more and more. You know, we have people asking me, uh, how do I sell my bet? Which, you know, is great that they want to sell the bet, but also, you know, just kind of a head slapper, like, fuck, we need to figure out how to make this so much more simple for people. So that's a bit of the backstory there and kind of how the challenges we're facing now have tied into that. I, I, I don't think the goals changed fundamentally, but it's, I think it's actually a nice tie in there with what Dean said from your previous point, Jake, in terms of, People want to sell it. That's what we're doing here. People don't like their cash out rates. We see that pain point every day. But being in London now, um, eight months, I guess. But um, it's just designing the user experience and being able to get the messaging right to show them and get them to do what we want them to do and what they want to do. Um, so just something, again, iterating every single day. 
So there's the the famous Bezos quote about if we make money this quarter, it's about what we did three or four years ago, not about what we did this quarter or something like that. Have you got that type? Can you afford to have that type of mentality with where you're at now in terms of building things for the longer term, even though it really is a day by day scenario and situation and getting through the week or the month is, is almost as critical as anything else at the moment? <laughs> so that's a very good question. Um, I think you have to have that vision. Otherwise, why the hell would we be doing this if we didn't think that there is a glaring need for this and if it had the potential that we know it has? But at the same time, you're not getting anywhere unless you put the work in now. And I don't think you let the dream of three to four years down the road of what your product can look like distract you from your day-to-day job. Great quote, by the way. Off the cuff, too. I love it. (laughs) I sometimes go down different rabbit holes, um, and if you do have if if you do have thirty minutes and you want to go down a rabbit hole today, and you're listening to this, find the uh, the Sam Hinkey resignation letter that he wrote to the the owners um, when he left. It's a it's a good one with plenty of good quotes in there. But anyway, I'm a little off track, so I, I wanted to ask for your 2019, I guess, evaluation or going through you know, what you did this year and trying to carry that forward to 2020, what are some of the things that would be on that list that are pertinent items that you you covered for 2019 that you're carrying forward to 2020 in some form or some manner? Dean, I'll defer to you here. <laughs> Putting me on the spot, eh? Yeah, why not? Uh, that's another really good question. So something we have been doing well is getting people to sign up and getting people excited about profit because it is new it's game-changing it's innovative and building that mantra in whatever creative ways we can is what we're carrying over into 2020 so for example uh you know i won't give too much away here but what we've been doing is putting people into telegram groups and groups of 50 um, and basically making it a collaborative effort so it's kind of some hybrid between beta testing and actually gaining users and generating revenue out of this uh, by putting these groups of people or these focus groups in, uh, you know, putting them in these focus groups first and making them feel like they're a part of something special, which they are, and making them be a part of something early. That's what everyone genuinely wants, especially in something like the betting space, which doesn't have much innovation going around. So, We're definitely carrying that over into 2020 and to go along with that, making sure that it is a collaborative effort and we are learning from them. That way we can keep iterating on our products. We drive our user base up or inevitably generating more revenue out of them, understanding what makes them tick, what they want to see and what they don't. And ultimately with the main message being we're building this product for people generated by the people. Um, we've seen it work right into 2020. Um, as far as what we've messed up on, I, you know, I can sit here for 48 hours and continue talking about what we've messed up on, but um, everything has been such a learning experience. So I won't bore everyone with that. Yeah, everything's been going perfectly, is what, is what Dean's saying. <laughs> yeah, over there. Um, I, just, just to go off that, 
the I think parlays and um, parlays still use my American brain here. Accumulators offering cash out, um, being able to speak language, user flows, um, taking into account different edge cases that we've been seeing. Stuff like that is going to be really key, and it's going to come very soon. And now we have the internal marketing team here uh, working on working on their aspect and trying out different channels. So a lot of that right now is just poking and prodding what messaging is working on, what social channels. Uh, and as I've kind of really throughout, content is a huge piece for us moving forward. Um, so whether it be with this, we've been looking at football index as well and kind of what they did. And they have kind of Twitter personalities, like, like a guy named Football Index Guide. And he basically tweets out videos of him and how to and all that type of stuff. But it's really engaging. It's really beneficial for the consumer. Um, so we're looking to bring on more guys that are able to do do that with their following, their current profiles, whether it be whatever social channels, um, and just educate, educate, iterate, and continue driving. What about for you guys? You've talked a lot about the users and then trying to please them and the different cohorts that you have. What about you know co-founders, CEOs, COOs, and, and your types in these type of businesses where you're trying to build from the ground up? What makes you guys tick or... To use a, a silly example, you know, athletes that have uh, a word written on their wrist when they go out to perform, it might say grit or determination or whatever it is. What are the what are the things that make you both able to get through the different cycles of, of what it's like to go through uh, building a startup? And I, I reference again the, the podcast we did with all the different elements that you've gone through already that I've discussed with you both. But what is the word that would be written on your wrist? Yeah. Uh, my favorite quote by a mile is Michael Jordan's quote. And it's, if you're not nervous, that means you don't want it enough. That's my favorite. So, you know, when Jake and I get up in front of, you know, a few hundred people and present profit and why they should take the journey with us, of course, we're nervous as hell. You know, part of me wants to not get up there and speak. But if, you know, that quote is running through our heads, then it really helps. So I guess that would be on my wrist. Uh, but advice wise, <laughs> you know, it could be like three lines, three or four words each. Um, advice wise, quite honestly, you know, Jake and I have been doing this two years now, so we're definitely not experts by any stretch of the imagination, but I always like to say, if no one's going to use your product, you don't have a product. So make sure people want to use it. And that's why, in my head, I'm always trying to talk to as many people as possible and iterate on our product as quickly as possible because if we don't, then we don't have a product. That's that's what I would say. I I, I hate to deflect the one word answer uh, as well, but I, I truly don't think I have one. I think for me, it's just a combination of two things. One, passion, so I obviously like what I'm doing. Um, I love being here in London doing it. So being able to learn about a new market and learn how to offer a solution to a whole clientele that I've never even engaged with before in my entire life. And then on the flip side, um, I love learning every day. So I have had no product or technical experience at all. Um, so managing that with ops has been just great in terms of my skill set and learning things that work, things that don't work, how to make, how to make my team tick and how to make our product tick. Um, is, is really what drives me. So it goes right back down to that in terms of uh, consumers happy, I'm happy. Uh, it might sound cliche, but the fact of the matter is that it's true. So one final question for both of you to get you out of here. 
for 2020 is there one person you're both looking to to meet to connect with to to build a relationship with for the business or maybe one company that you're looking at connecting with what would be on the top of the list for 2020 that's a you're on fire with these questions jake <laughs> yeah we take we take six weeks off and you've got the best questions in the world to stop <laughs> yeah uh i don't think there is one company or one person in particular that I'm looking forward to speaking with her who I'd like to sit down with. Uh, but our strategy of partnering with affiliates who are kind of waiting in the weeds who, you know, have very solid loyal followings, but aren't very mainstream are the people, honestly, as strange as this sounds, are the people who I'm most looking forward to meeting because those are the people that get users on your site and, users essentially drive the success of us so there's my answer i've, I've, I've got an answer now first of all quick answer um, any any affiliates that are looking to stop going around from book to book taking affiliate deal affiliate deal and join something full-time that they're passionate about we have our email on our website or contact form whatever it might be we're always, we're always looking at this is a half permit pitch but um, in terms of my answer, uh, I want to meet the head of content branding partnerships of Football Index um, whenever they went from where we are right now to what they've become. So who took them over that hump, how they get over it. Um, yeah, so my, my Twitter DMs are always open. Um, looking forward to chatting more. They killed it. That's, that's, that's another good one. They fucking killed it. Yeah, they did. When you're on when you're on taxi cabs, you know you made it. It's a uh, football index in Nashville, so London's got some great free taxi cabs. Awesome. Well, thanks a lot, guys. I appreciate your time. For those that haven't listened yet, go and check out a Race Against Time podcast. You can find it uh, on your website. You can find it Apple, SoundCloud, everywhere else. Um, I'll put a link to that as well. I hope you guys get a day or two off over the the holiday break and. Uh, and enjoy yourself a little bit and then obviously 2020 is going to be a big year hell yeah thanks jake